we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, we come back to our text now in Daniel chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion for, nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdoms, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. 
Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angels and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. As we come to this passage of Scripture, we find that Daniel... I was placed in a very precarious position. In chapter number 5, if you've read chapter 5, you find that Daniel was speaking to the king of Babylon who saw the handwriting on the wall. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. That very night, the Persian Empire invaded Babylon. Belshazzar was killed. And Darius, the king of Persia, began to rule and reign over Babylon. And Daniel began to serve under Darius's leadership. And, and it was obvious that, as it was to Nebuchadnezzar and to others in Babylon, it became obvious to Darius that uh, Daniel was a great and useful servant. Uh, Daniel, in fact, was promoted above all of those in the king's cabinet and his counselors. And he was chosen to oversee the affairs of the kingdom. There were those who were envious of him and who wanted to put him to death and they could find no fault in him. So they determined to use his devotion to his God against him. And so they deceived the king into writing a, or signing rather a piece of legislation that made it against the law, prohibited prayer or petition to any other god except for the king of Persia. Of course, they knew that Daniel would not obey this law. They knew that Daniel was devoted to his god. In fact, the king knew it himself. He even said, in, before he put him in the den of lions, he said, your god whom you serve continually will deliver you. And of course, just as they expected, Daniel went into his house and with the windows in his chamber open, unashamedly, not trying to hide it, he went to his knees in prayer as he did aforetime. Well, his detractors, his enemies, his foes brought this charge to the king and demanded that the king throw Daniel into the den of lions. And he was thrown into the den of lions. The king had labored to try to figure out if there was a way around the law that he had signed. We're told many times in this passage that the law of the Medes and the Persians could not be altered. But yet the king tried to alter it. But when he could not alter it, Daniel was placed in the den of lions. And the Bible says that the Lord sent his angel to stop the shut, the close, the mouth of the lions, and they could not harm Daniel. The next morning, the king came to the den and he, he cried out, Daniel, is your God? Did he protect you? Did he deliver you? And he heard Daniel's voice say, oh, yes, king. God has delivered me. He sent his angel to protect me. And Daniel was brought up out of the den of lions. 
And then his enemies, his detractors, those who had deceived the king and drafted this legislation, they were cast into the den of lions where they were destroyed. And then we have the praise of the king who glorifies the God of heaven and expresses that the one in charge, the one who has dominion, and the one who has power is the God of Daniel. By the way, if you know Jesus as your Savior, that's your God today. And I want to tell you, just as he was in charge then, he's in charge now. He's in charge today. And I hope you can take courage and take heart by understanding that God is in control. But Daniel was living among the lions. Now, I wanted you to know the lions in the den weren't nearly as ruthless as the lions in the palace. They were some ruthless lions. And we're living in a world filled with lions. Lions who hate the Lord, who hate his word. Lions who want to remove his name and his book from the public arena. Lions who want to roar and roam and intimidate the church and silence us. Lions who threaten to devour us. And just like Daniel, we find ourselves living among the lions. Now, someone called me the other day. I had just left uh, the tag office. Have you ever been to the tag office here in, in one of our uh, friendly tag stores around us? <laughs> and uh, inevitably, every time I go to the tag office, there is something that I didn't think of that I needed. And after a long, long period in the line and a long time at the desk with the clerk, I'm finally told, wait a minute, you need something else that you do not have. And inevitably, I leave in frustration. I got a call just after I got out of the tag office. A friend of mine called me and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm surviving. And he said, that doesn't sound good. And uh, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought it didn't sound good, right? Because I'm not just supposed to survive as a believer in this world. I'm to thrive. And I want you to know, it's not God's intention that we just simply survive. It's, God in, it's God's intention that we thrive. And even though we're in this evil day, even though we're living among the lions, I want you to know that we can live a life that honors God. We can live a life of joy and happiness and contentment in him. Now, there are three things that are required for us, and Daniel gives us these requirements if we're going to live among the lions. And I hope you write them down. First of all, I want you to write this down. Living among the lions requires consecration. It requires consecration. Uh, we're living among the lions. They're roaming. They're roaring. As, as Peter warned us, our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, as, as Paul wrote to Timothy, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're living in those days, dangerous days, walking among uh, powerful beasts, these lions who seek to devour us. Therefore, we cannot afford to get slipshod and careless. 
We must be on guard. We must be careful. And that means we must be consecrated to our God, devoted to him, set apart, holy, communing with him, fellowshipping with him in prayer, seeking him in his word, earnest and sincere and serious about the Christian life. We find Daniel had that type of consecration. If you'll notice again in verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. The king needed a man of integrity, someone who would guard his affairs, someone who the other rulers in the kingdom and princes could give an account to so that the king would have no damage. He had to be a man of integrity, a man of character, a man the king could trust. Daniel was that man of integrity and honor. And his integrity was a result of his consecration. His character was the result of his consecration to the Lord. Now, there were three areas in Daniel's life that demonstrated his consecration. First of all, in his work. Notice, if you would, in verse 3, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. We find here that Daniel was diligent in his work. In Daniel chapter 1, in verse number 20, at the conclusion of that Opening chapter, the Bible says this, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them, that's Daniel and his three friends, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. I want you to know when this world is looking for answers, it's going to look to the people who know God. Amen. This world is not going to look at the people who participate in the revelry of this world who participate in the spirit of this age, the world is going to look for answers from those who they have confidence in that they know God and that they walk with God. And this was demonstrated in Daniel's work life. In chapter 1, he demonstrated his discernment in his approach to the master, the eunuchs. In chapter 2, he demonstrated his discernment in how he handled the matter of the king's dream when the king became upset and threatened to kill all of his servants. And the Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. That means that Daniel was not a complainer. Christians should not complain. Don't be the lead complainer at the job, all right, or in the family. He was not a complainer. He was not a self-promoter. He didn't stab others in the back to make himself look good. He was in no way divisive. He was not lazy. He was not dramatic. On the contrary, he was faithful. He was kind. He was humble. He was gracious. And Daniel was recognized for his work and rewarded for his work. Nebuchadnezzar recognized and rewarded him. Belshazzar did the same. Darius, as we read here in chapter 6, also did that, and also Cyrus, who would follow his work. May God help us as believers to do our work in a way that glorifies God. Then his witness. 
Look in verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. These guys were looking for anything they could find in Daniel's life that they could use against him. And they were able to find nothing. Perhaps they pretended to be close to Daniel and, and, and be his friend looking for some fault or some error. Perhaps they, they, they intentionally did things to aggravate and agitate Daniel. Uh, perhaps they, 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 they had people who, who would try to wound or hurt him in some way just to, just to see how he would react and how he would respond. Perhaps they tempted him uh, with an opportunity to advance himself at the cost of someone else. But no matter what they tried to do, no matter what temptation they posed to Daniel, they found no fault in him. What an amazing testimony. What an amazing witness. Do you know that the Bible tells us this in Philippians 2 and verse 14? The Bible says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You see, it is the Christian's job to reflect the glory of God, to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we do that in the context of our work life, in our home life, in our community life, in the marketplace. God has placed us in these places so that we can shine for him. And as we do the business and the, fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us in those areas of our lives. We're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Christians shouldn't be causing trouble, stirring it up, complaining. They shouldn't have bad attitudes at school or on the job. They shouldn't be fighting and disputing one another. Why? Because they should be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. In other words, no one should be able to look at us and point out any open, glaring sins in our lives. Now, we all have sins, and we all mess up. But it should not be our pattern. Why? Because we are in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation. Daniel was serving the Lord among the lions. But his witness was impeccable because he was consecrated to his God. So his consecration showed up in his work and his witness and then also in his worship. Look in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. You see, his detractors knew the only thing they could find against him was his religious devotion and so they drafted this law and had the king sign it. But it was never a problem for Daniel. He, he, he never hesitated. You see, Daniel had established a habit of prayer and thanksgiving unto the Lord. I want you to think about this. If the governor of North Carolina passed a law and said nobody can pray for 30 days, how many Christians' lives would really be changed or really be affected? I wonder how many would even notice the, the legislation was passed. You, you can't pray for 30 days. You can't go to church. 
Well, we've been there, haven't we? Would it really impact us? We fuss and bemoan about the fact that years ago school was taken out of prayer, but the government hasn't passed the law to take it out of our home. How little we pray. May God help us. I'm convicted in my own heart. You see, Daniel's prayers were not a matter of protest. He wasn't protesting against the unjust law that was passed in Persia. No, he, his prayers was a pattern, or they were a pattern, rather, of his devotion to his God. He sought the Lord. The threat of the lion's den was not as severe as the lions he dealt with, and he knew he needed to pray if he was going to live among the lions. And here we are living among them. Do we seek God? Are we seeking his face? Do we seek his guidance and his wisdom and his strength? Are we seeking to draw close to him? Are we asking him to speak to our hearts through his word? Are we bringing our petitions on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ? You see, in this room are a multitude and a myriad of burdens. You deal with them on a daily basis. You deal with them at home. You deal with them at work. You fight your own self and your own flesh. There's a struggle going on. Discouragement. All of the things that the people of God are dealing with today. We must pray one for another. And bring these petitions to the Lord. You see, if we're going to live among the lions, it will require consecration, dedication, devotion to our God. It's no time for casual Christianity. Secondly, living among the lions requires courage. Now, we see these fellows, and they had a motive, and here was their motive. Their motive was they didn't like Daniel being in charge of them, so they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to remove Daniel from the scene. Daniel didn't rely on the wisdom of the Chaldeans to help him counsel the king. No, Daniel relied upon the Lord and the Spirit of God. He had a different spirit than they had. And they were jealous and envious of that. And they wanted to remove it. By the way, that's the spirit of this world. They hate the church of Jesus Christ. They hate the message of the gospel. They oppose those who live according to the book, the Bible, the word of God. So their motive was to get rid of him. They, they wanted his place of power and authority. And I've documented for you a few weeks ago that the secular uh, radicals are seeking to remove godly influence from the public arena here in our nation. Why? Because they want power. They want to determine the agenda. Then we see their methods. Well, what did they use to accomplish their purpose? Well, they drafted a law. They made it illegal to pray. They made it illegal to worship God. And they deceived the king into signing this law, which could not be reversed. Now, when it comes to our relationship to the government as believers, we understand that Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we're to pray for all who are in authority. Now, he wrote that when Nero was in control of the Roman Empire. 
I want you to know that no matter who you vote for, you have an opportunity, a responsibility rather, to pray for all who are in authority those you support politically and those you do not. You have the responsibility as a Christian to pray for them. And by the way, the Bible says this in verse 4, who will have all men to come to the knowledge of the truth, to be saved. And I want you to know, I believe that our prayers for our nation have a direct impact on the salvation of lost souls. So we should pray, and may God help us to take that responsibility very seriously. We also have a responsibility that's lying, that is laid out for us in Romans 13, and I hope sometime you'll read Romans 13. We are charged with the responsibility to submit to the ordinances of men, to respect our government leaders, and to obey the laws of government until and unless those laws come in conflict with the laws of God. And you see, we live in a world where the laws of men are coming into conflict with the laws of God. Now, in Acts chapter 5, we have a great example that is given to us. In Acts chapter 5, you can write this reference down, perhaps read it a little bit later. But verses 12 through 42, we have a great example of how we're to respond when there are laws that come into conflict with God's laws. Now... Uh, the apostles were preaching and souls were being saved and lives were being changed and miracles were being performed. And so the high priest and the leaders of Jerusalem, they, they arrested Peter and uh, the apostles and they, they brought them in and they said, uh, no more preaching in the name of Jesus. We told you this. Stop preaching this message of the gospel. Well, Peter asked a question in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 that is really important for us as we consider the current climate in our nation. In Acts 5, 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. There's our answer. When the laws of men are in conflict with the laws of God, what do we do? We obey God rather than men. They said, quit preaching the gospel. Quit preaching about Jesus. But we don't like what's happening here. By the way, the world hates what's happening here. God's word being taught, the people of God uh, going out with gospel tracts and gospel literature, preaching the gospel and souls being saved. I want you to know that the devil doesn't like it and the world doesn't like it. And if, they can own, if the only tactic they can use to stop us is legislation, then that is what they will do. And in fact, in our nation, we have seen an erosion of religious liberties at the expense of immorality. The church in America has enjoyed unparalleled religious freedom. Our nation was founded by those who were seeking religious freedom. Our founding fathers were well aware of the dangers of governmental intrusion into the affairs of the church. And that is why they carefully drafted the Constitution to protect the religious freedom of its citizens. Our current administration, the Biden administration, has appointed several cabinet leaders and other high-level officials who have an agenda to promote immorality at the expense of religious liberty. These are documented cases. 
They have not hidden their agenda, attempting to pressure and force Christian schools to hire faculty and accept students who are living in direct disobedience to God's word. Bakers such as Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop, flower shop owners like Baronel Stutzman and wedding photographers have been sued because they refuse to participate in a gay marriage ceremony. I had the opportunity to hear Baronel Stutzman's testimony right here in this auditorium a few months ago. She spoke to some community members and also to some of our students. Baronel Stutzman is from Washington State, a lady up in her 70s who was a florist, a respected florist. And she had a customer who she had served for many years who came to her and said, I want you to do the flowers for my wedding to my partner. And she sat down with him and she kindly explained to him what her beliefs were. And that she loved him as a person, but that she could not participate in that ceremony because it violated her religious conviction, her biblical conviction. The man left the shop that day and told his partner. Somehow the news got to the media and eventually it got to the attorney general in the state of Washington and the officials of the state of Washington pursued a suit against Baronel Stutzman. Recently, a Supreme Court decision went against her. The case isn't over, but this woman has suffered greatly. And she sat here in this auditorium, her and her husband, a humble man, he sat on the back row, and she talked to our students about why she could not compromise what the Word of God has to say. I want you to know that woman has more courage in her little finger than most people possess in their whole body. I was strengthened by her that day. My faith was fortified by her. She is standing against the government, the state, and all the pressure that has come against her at the threat that she could lose everything she's worked for her entire life. She didn't ask for this. She was placed in this position. And yet, she has stood. And I want you to know, I don't know how the case will end up, but either way it ends up, this is one thing we can count on. The Lord is standing with her. And he will deliver her out of the mouth of the lions. Martin Luther went to the Diet of Worms and there he was pressured to recant his beliefs and save himself. And Martin Luther said this, My conscience is captive to the word of God. Thus I cannot and will not recant because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. That's the courage we need. May God give us courage. We won't have courage unless we have consecration. Well, let me give you the third thing. Living among the lions requires confidence. Confidence in who? Not in ourselves. 
not in our abilities, but confidence in our God. Look at verse 23. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, for Daniel, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed his God. There's the difference. There's where his confidence was. His confidence was in God. What do we need in this hour when everything seems to be so shaky? When there's such intimidation and such fear that often grips our heart, we need to be confident in the Lord our God. Oh yes, the lions were roaming. They were lurking, circling Daniel. They were roaring against him. But though they roamed and though they roared, Daniel was confident in his God. He was able to face the lion's den because he believed in the Lord. Like those three Hebrew boys who refused to bow and worship the golden image, Daniel refused to submit to the ordinance of sinful men. He believed in his God when he dwelt safely in Jerusalem. He believed in his God when he was carried away captive to Babylon. He believed in his God when he was taught the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans when he was pressured to file himself with a portion of the king's meat, when he was threatened with death because no one could interpret the dream, Daniel believed his God. When Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind and for seven years lived as an animal in the wild, Daniel believed his God. When Belshazzar needed someone to interpret the writing on the wall, Daniel believed his God. And when this law of Persia was established, Daniel believed his God. Let me ask you a question, friends, today. Do you believe your God? Do you believe him? Do you believe that he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Do you believe when he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Do you believe it when he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? Do you believe your God when he says that he is a God who is touched with a feeling of our infirmities? That he ever liveth to make intercession for us? Do you believe your God? Daniel believed his God. And in this hour when the lions roam and roar against us, are we confident in the Lord? Now, as a result of his confidence in the Lord, Daniel experienced the deliverance that he needed. The Lord delivered him. Verse number 23, the close of the verse, the Bible says no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Paul wrote to Timothy speaking of his persecutions and afflictions and he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, out of them all the Lord delivered me. In chapter 4, he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord should deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. The psalmist wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you believe in your God today that he is able to deliver you? You say, Pastor, I see what's on the horizon. I see what's happening in our world. And I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm afraid. Let me tell you to put your confidence in God. He is able to deliver us.
You remember what those boys said? They said, King, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Uh, our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from out of thine hand. But if not, in other words, if we go into that fire and we die in those flames, I want you to understand, King, he will still have delivered us because we'll be in his presence, and you'll have no more dominion over us. And the Lord destroyed Daniel's enemies in verse uh, 24, the Bible says they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. You see, often the tools that our enemies design against us will be the very thing that causes them to perish. All along, Haman built the gallows for Mordecai not realizing it would be he himself who hang upon them. We see their weapons and their ingenuity and their tactics that are designed to intimidate us, but what we need to understand is those things will not hurt us. They will not harm us. God destroyed Daniel's enemies, and then the Lord demonstrated his dominion. Notice what happens at the end of the chapter, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. What's this king doing? He's bringing glory to the name of Jesus. How did that happen? It happened because a man who was living among the lions was consecrated to the Lord. It happened because a man who was living among the lions had courage. And it happened because a man who was living among the lions was confident in his God. And God delivered him. And God was magnified. I want you to know that the Lord intends through our afflictions and our difficulties and our trials to magnify his name. Somebody was telling me the other day about some of the things that were happening in their life and they said, I just can't seem to catch a break. And I said to them, I said, have you thought about Job? He said, well, that puts things in perspective. He lost everything he had within a matter of moments. He lost his sons and his daughters. And all of heaven and all of hell were watching. You see, because on earth they didn't know what had happened, that the devil had gone before the Lord and said, look, no, no wonder, no wonder Job serves you. You take such good care of him. Well, anybody would serve you if you treat him like that. But you touch him. You, you touch him. And, and I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll, he'll curse you to your face. So the Lord says, okay, devil. Here you go. And so the devil did his work. And here's what Job said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I want you to know there was the loudest roar in heaven of applause and praise to our God. Why? Because Job declared what the choir sang about. He is worthy. It's not just about what he can do for me. It's who he is. And the king of Persia said, you people in my kingdom need to know who Daniel's God is. And I want you to know that while we're living among the lions, God will make himself known and many people will come to Jesus. But there are three things that are required. Number one, consecration. We need to confess our sin. We need to turn to the Lord with all our heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. We need to rend our hearts and not our garments. That's what the Bible said in the book of Joel. We read that last Sunday night. We need to get serious about the Christian life. We need to quit playing with sin. We need to quit tinkering around. These are the last days. Perilous times have come. We need courage to take our stand, as Martin Luther said, I can do no other. May God help us to live according to his truth. No matter how, how loud the hounds of hell may bark, may God help us to live this word of God. And may God help us to be confident, not afraid, not fearful, not timid, but confident in him that he will deliver us. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.